Welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come see what we've got. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Bella Mahaya Carter. Raw. She's written this beautiful raw book. It's raw emotions. It's about a raw diet. It's just about us going back to that raw state of resetting, redirecting, and embracing our life from a different angle. We're going to discover her story today of how it led her back into erasing her discontent and confusion and and ill health and everything else that we face in life we're not alone are we every single one of us has got a story and that story is is that somehow the path we're on is not working for us why why do we keep attracting the wrong things why have we got dis-ease uh why are we discontent with life and it's just a little tap on the shoulder by the universe saying this is the life that was perhaps chosen for you but you are not able to choose a life for yourself. Which path do you want to take? And then if we get out of our own way, we see the path before us and we start walking it in exploration and see where it leads us. And I'm sure for Bella, this was a journey of she didn't know she was going to end up here. So let's take this journey with her um, on this raw, the raw feelings, the raw diet, the vegan, the um, everything to do with what led you on your path today. So welcome, Bella. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. And I loved your introduction. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Raw, um, you know, I think one of the things that we're all scared about is our raw emotions and, you know, why we are so discontent and why we, uh, why we don't choose to acknowledge that we're not happy. And you know, because it actually often requires you to step into your own life and take that journey to discovering what makes you happy. And very often it's we don't know how. Uh, we don't know where, we know the why, but everything else is a confusion. What was it for you that led you on this new direction? Well, I had chronic stomach pain. I had for years, and the only thing the doctor could do for me was prescribe medication. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew that the medication would help alleviate my symptoms, but what I really wanted was a cure. I really wanted to heal myself. And so I, I asked myself the question, well, if there's something wrong with my stomach, doesn't it make sense to think about what I'm putting into it? Yeah. Yeah. So with that question, I went to my local bookstore and I perused the stacks and I came home with an armful of books about health and nutrition and digestion. And, and I discovered that, that people were healing all kinds of diseases mm -hmm. from high blood pressure to cancer. I mean, all kinds of diseases with uh, living on a raw food diet. And it, it seemed extreme to me. And I, it, it took me a while to kind of warm up to it. It was something I did gradually. But I did eventually find myself on a 100% raw vegan diet. And amazing things started to happen. Mm -hmm. I, my stomach started to feel better. 
uh, I needed less sleep. I had tons of energy. I hadn't, I had been a dancer when I was younger and I hadn't danced in many years and I started dancing again and I just felt completely revitalized. I mean, I had toenail fungus and it started disappearing. Mm -hmm. So I just felt that I was being very well nourished. I also lost 30 pounds, which I wasn't trying to do, but I felt very well nourished. But then after some time, I thought, well, I'm, I'm still not satisfied. I'm still, there's still times when my stomach is bothering me and I'm just, so I asked myself the question, what would a raw food diet for, I thought maybe it's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. What would a raw food diet for the mind look like? And that question prompted me to enroll in a, a program, a master's degree program in spiritual psychology. Mm-hmm. And while I was in that program, I learned that a lot of my thinking was sabotaging my health and happiness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, the dis-ease is our body ill at ease. And exactly. it's ill at ease because it's reacting to something in our lives. Now, sometimes it is a trauma to the body, you know, an, an accident or something that's happened that's causing, you know, the, probably, uh, the, the body to be in that kind of pain. But very often when we look at it, even cancer, at least 80% is an emotional disease. And mm-hmm. we don't realize that our emotions and our suppression, you know, we say, you know, be emotional, uh, be tuned into your emotions, but don't be emotional. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I love that. So it's, we don't tune into our emotions because for some reason, somewhere along the line, somebody told us that we're not allowed to address that. And I don't understand it because if we don't, it causes us dis-ease, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And what I've learned recently is that, you know, I don't have to feel good all the time. Right, right. And that's been, that's been a slow lesson. That's taken me a while to get that. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm feeling in some state of distress or dis-ease, like, I don't necessarily have to do anything because I recognize that 90% of the time, my feelings, they're coming from my thinking. Yes. And I believe that we all have perfect mental health, and the only thing that keeps us from it is our thinking. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I, that thinking is coming from society's conditioning, right? And because Absolutely. we are told and bought out from the word go, you must think this way. You can't have those thoughts. That is a wrong thought. And, and contrary to our psyche and our spirit, wanting us to feel our thoughts in a different way. You know, it's a constant battle, isn't it? And when we let go of the society's conditioning and allow our feeling thoughts to come through, then we truly understand what it is that we need to know when we need to know it. I absolutely agree. I thought that was beautifully said. Thank you. Um, yeah, and the thoughts are constantly in your head, aren't they? And sometimes it's just chatter, 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 chatter. And it's for some people say, but how do you switch it off? How do you switch those thoughts off? How did you, what did, what did you do to them? Well, this is what I'm learning about now uh, because we continue to evolve. I've evolved since I've written my book. And so what what I'm learning now is that we can't control the thoughts in our heads, but we don't have to grab onto them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we've just thought by its very nature, it's transitory. So it passes. So we yes. have thoughts. We can't control them. What happened, what used to happen to me a lot is that I would believe my thoughts. Uh-huh. Like I would get a scary thought like, oh my God, like I would feel pressure in my chest from anxious thinking. Mm-hmm. 
And then I would think, oh, and I would feel an uncomfortable physical sensation. And then I would say, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my goodness. But then because I had a very vivid imagination, I'm a writer, I started imagining the whole scenario. I dropped dead at the restaurant. The ambulance is called. My daughter is crying. Like I'm imagining the whole scenario, which then then exacerbates the anxiety, which intensifies the pain. And I'm on a vicious cycle. Right. I'll tell you a funny story that happened that, that can sort of illuminate how I how I how I deal with it now because anxiety is a normal human emotion we mm-hmm. all have it but my anxiety the anxiety that I talk about in the book um, was disabling I had an anxiety disorder we had five family deaths in three years I was the executor of a contentious estate and I developed an anxiety disorder and I didn't want to take the medication mm-hmm. I wanted to deal with it and um, so that was very challenging. But so what happened was a few weeks ago, my book came out and my sister flew across the country to come and celebrate with me. And she and her husband, my daughter and and my husband and I, we all all went out to a fancy vegan restaurant for dinner in Los Angeles. And we sit down at the table and there's a bunch of things wrong. The table's too small. I'm sitting under an air conditioning vent. I didn't have my sweater. You know, there were just little things. And I started to feel some anxiety coming up. Mm Now, in the past, I would have not really, I would have went, oh, anxiety. And then I would have started to make up stories about how everything was going to be ruined. Mm -hmm. But instead, I was like, oh, anxiety. I have those anxiety feelings. Okay, I don't really have to pay attention to them. It's okay. And then within, I would say about a minute and a half, it completely went away. Right. Well, what we feed is what grows, isn't it? And, Absolutely. And, and I think it's being aware. You know, um, I, I have to be careful with anxiety. I'm a sensitive, I'm an empath, I feel everything. And, you know, I have to be careful. What is the trigger? What's the environment? Remove myself from it. Don't engage. And also, if it does happen, it's not mine. You know, get rid of the feeling because you take it on and it becomes so consuming. And, and then you, you feel you know, despair. And it's like, hang on, that was somebody else's issue that I took on. And now it's me feeling bad. You know, no, I'm not, I'm not the dumping ground. So you have to have that barrier around you and to make sure that you do not absorb those kind of energies and be aware when they're knocking on your door. Absolutely. And for me, it's also really helpful to know, and I'm going to just make a little sidestep here before I finish this sentence and say that when I was going through my anxiety disorder, I had a couple of mystical experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was I was having this um, breathwork session. And toward the end of the session, my body started feeling very tingly and light. And I found myself speaking, maybe it was gibberish, but my experience of it was that I was speaking in an ancient language that I, had, that I, didn't, I didn't understand the language, but I knew that it was ancient. And even though I didn't understand the language, I understood the message. Mm -hmm. And the message was, do not waste another second of your life in doubt or fear. Mm -hmm. That was the message. And I knew, like, the experience was, um, there was no denying the uh, the wisdom and the, and the, the, the ancientness of it. Yeah. And then a few months later, I was having a Reiki session. At the end of the session, I'm, I'm lying down on the table, and I feel like, I'm not solid matter. 
I'm vibrating molecules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then it felt like my pores were dilating. And the next thing I knew, I was out of my body, existing in multiple dimensions of time and space simultaneously. Yes. I became frightened because I don't know why. It was a new experience why. for you. A new experience. Yeah. And then I got back into my body. So, so the, the reason why I'm telling these stories to answer your question is because when I was studying um, spiritual psychology in my master's degree program, uh, the people would often say that we're, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, yes. which is a com commonly used phrase these days. And I understood it intellectually, yeah. but I hadn't yet had a visceral knowing. Right of who I really am. So to answer your question, this is a long way to answer your <laughs> question. Okay, I'm going to address both of those. <laughs> okay. The, to answer your question, it really helps me to remember who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, and that all this drama that I in create, engage in, you know, even amplify sometimes to my own detriment yes. is not who I am. Right. I I'm not my body. I'm not my thinking. Right. I'm not any of this drama that's, that I'm creating around me. I'm something. You're, you're reacting to it and becoming it because of the reaction, right? right. And, and that's the human condition. We right. are reactory type creatures. You know, we're, um, you know it's not responding in a, in a different vibration. We get caught up in that frequency and then right. we react to it. Now, going back to what, you, what I call galactic speak, and I have to introduce you to a lady who does this, and she can actually teach you how to actually understand it and do it. And I suffer terribly from despair, depression. You know, the, <laughs> somebody going in, pulling your heart out, and just like, why am I living? And she did this galactic speak on me, three sessions, I have not knocked on that door at all. Now, it doesn't mean I haven't had anxiety or sadness, but I haven't gone down the rabbit hole since she did it. And the beautiful thing I love about it is that it bypasses thought. You have no idea what's being said. You have no idea whatsoever. It's going straight to the core of you and resetting you. It's absolutely incredible. So the fact that you're able to do that, embrace it, embrace it, because it is such a wonderful experience. I also put it, because music's very important to me, I put it on as a similar thing, because when I get sad or anything, music, and it's not necessarily the words or anything, it's again the frequency, and music has a way of resetting you. So really follow that galactic speak, and I'm going to introduce you to Donna Lee. And then the out-of-body experience. I'm always up there in the universe. It's home for me, most certainly home for me. That is where I feel my absolute peace because you're in everything and nothing you don't feel body you don't feel anything but you feel everything it's very hard to explain unless you've been there and my big problem is coming back <laughs> well how do you what's your method for getting there I, oh i just go I, I don't have i don't do any meditation or anything for me it's just you know i'm a channeler and so sometimes I just go, you know, it's, um, it, it's just one of the things I've always done. I've always can you go. Me. Can you go whenever you want? Yes. I mean, it's, um, I can just, uh, it's not a question of I dictate it. It just is, I am there. Um, especially for me at night when it's peaceful and dark, that is my, my real avenue because you haven't got the static of the day, right? You have the peace of the night and that's when I am spiritually most active. Mm. Uh, much to my sleep deprimant but it, <laughs> <laughs> but that is when my channels are really really open and I love the feeling up there because I speak to knowingness you know for me it's a you know that gut feeling you get you know but you don't know why you know 
Well, I call that the divine knowledge that Mm. comes in, that then speaks to the heart in resonance, then then goes to the spirit and action. And your mind will know what it needs to know when you need to know it. And that's the channel of that knowingness. And so I am a channeler. Things will come through me. They're not from me. They're through me. And it's just that knowledge I needed to know right there and then. And every single one of us has an ability. I couldn't do the speak. But you've obviously opened the door to that. So I really invite you to pursue that further. You will find it quite extraordinary. Thank you. That's lovely. I really, that's inspiring. Thank you. I mean, I'm accustomed to, I'm a writing teacher and coach. And I've also, some people have been approaching me for anxiety coaching. And that's been Mm -hmm. fun and interesting and just came kind of out of nowhere just because I knew I could help them. Right. But with the, with the writing coaching, you know, it's, it's always about helping people get out of their own way so, yes. that, that, so that what is wanting to be expressed through them can mm. come. And that is always divine. Yes. You know, yes. and, it's, and it's, it's always just really about being, I feel like writing, I'm absolutely a channel when I write. Right. You know, it's, it's this energy, it's a download, it's coming through yep. me and I'm a vessel. And that's, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, the thing is, um, I've read pieces I wrote years ago and I thought, who wrote this? And they see my name at the bottom <laughs> because, you know, you just, I do shows like when I do my own show sometimes. I don't know what I'm going to say or do and just blah, let it come out, right? And then discover it later. I love I think, it. I think one of the problems as human beings is what we forget to do is we're so busy trying to control everything. And when we realize the only control we have is when we let go of it. And that, you know, and that going with, you know, just make sure your wings are ready and go with the flow, go with the wind, right? Because we don't have any control. We're not meant to have any control. All we can be is in our own presence and then follow the path that is before us. And I think this is why we get so anxious because we're trying to dictate where the spirit should take us. The spirit's in charge, folks, not us. Absolutely. Boy, that that has been a, a really challenging lesson for me the last few years. I mean, I, I, I have a meditation practice and a few years ago, I, when, when I was going through all of the, all of these loved ones dying and just mm. the challenge of that time, yes. I, I remember the first, I got a few messages. They were just sort of clear signals. Mm-hmm. And one, the first one was slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Cause mm. I was moving a, you know, a yeah. hundred miles a minute. Yeah. In every realm, you know, I'm yes. a doer, you know, with yes. a capital D. <laughs> yes. So slow down. That was the first one. The second one is so interesting to me. The second one was stop fighting. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, the amount of energy that I put into resisting what is that I don't want in my life. Right. It was just, it, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so, and it continues to be I mean, a practice for me. Yeah. I have to continue to remember, slow down, stop fighting, let go is the third one. Yeah. And these all happened at different times. I got these, you know, let go and the letting go. I mean, I had an interesting dream about that. Mm-hmm. I was driving my car. We have big freeways in Los Angeles and I was heading into an off ramp driving my car and the steering wheel came off in my hands. Mm-hmm. And I thought, shit, I'm going to crash. <laughs> yes. But then I realized that my car was driving just fine. Yeah. And I wasn't steering. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew when I woke up, you know, I need to let go of the wheel a little bit here yes. in my life. Yes. 
Yes, and trust. Well, that's the funny thing. I can't believe I can't believe you said that because the fourth item that I was going to say was trust. Mm-hmm. Trust, mm-hmm. trust the universe. Trust that you're being held. Trust that there's a greater wisdom than that you even than you even understand. Just trust. Yes, yes, and and that is not the human condition because it always tells you be in control, have a plan, five year plan, know where you're going, always know the next moment. And the universe is saying to you, be in the now, don't do, be, you know, be the being, be the I am. And perfect your I am so you can become the we are. And you can't do that if it's constantly, I've got to be in control. I've got to be in control. And that's that tension of trying to be in control and manage everything and, and just uh, have everything go your way. That is what starts causing the disease. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, what we have is the illusion of control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Universes is having a good laugh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, the only control we have is, is in letting go and going with the flow. Now, a lot of people will think then that's a whole lot of hoo-ha and you're just flapping in the wind. It isn't. It's paying attention to the messages we get and then acting on those, isn't it? It's just not like kumbaya. You know what? I, the, the older I get, the more I think that it's just, that is wisdom. That mm. is wisdom. And it takes a long, I mean, it took yes. me, you know, it took me a long time. I mean, I'm 58 years old and I'm just get. I feel like I'm just getting it. Yes. And, and, you know, this, um, my station kind of serves more people 40 up. I started doing this at 57, I'm turning 64 in a couple of months. And it's in hearing people, you know, around our age, anything from 40 plus up to 85, you know, who I've had on here. And it's all about, I lived my life by numbers, by what was expected of me. I did everything right. Yet I was still so unhappy, so disconnected, so out of service. And it's only when a redirect came. And for some people, it's the rug pulled from underneath the feet or a kiss on the brow. And for some people, it's the cosmic two by four. And it's there. Then it is now. Can you hear us now? Step up. Walk forward in trust. We will lead you where you need Mm. to go. And pay attention to your journey along the way. Right? Because you'll know what is something for you to pick up along the way or people to connect with along the way, along the way, what to put in your backpack along the way and understand that this journey is about connection and explorer exploration and relationships. And it's all about being in the now and in the moment because when you are, that's when you truly see the wisdom and the nuggets and the joy of life in that moment of meeting a perfect stranger in a perfectly new area. And it's so exciting I love that. I just, I mean, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I, I find you so inspiring, I have to say. Um, and and when, you, when you said that about the backpack, I had this vision that I just thought, well, I'll share this. You know, I think that it's true that we pick up precious things and put them in the backpack, but then it's also true that we have to unload the backpack. Yes. Give you know, it to someone to, else along the well, way. Right? We, also, we also just have to take out the things yeah. that we put in there w- when we were younger to help yeah. us survive that yes. we no longer need. Yes. You know, yes. and that we're, we're probably, in my experience, I, I feel like I was lugging around a bunch of rocks right. that, that I didn't need, just yeah. making, my, making my load heavier. Yes. And for what? And it wasn't your, excuse the expression, shirt, right? Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
you're feeling weighed down and, and everything is such a hard journey forward. Well, you've got this massive, thick, heavy coat on and you're in the summer. You don't need it. Take it off. Right. Oh, I can stand up straight now. And I like the air around me. You know? Right. Right. And I, around, and I also had dreams about, you know, I was storing my parents and my grandmother's stuff in my garage and I was storing them on this overhang that was like on top of my car and it was going to collapse. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like, what is, what, what I'm carrying, what is mine and what belonged to my mother and my father and my grandparents. And, you know, so I think it's interesting to think about what am I carrying? Right. And, and why you're keeping something is uh, I'm in transition right now. So I'm just in a room in a house and in the next couple of months, I hope to find my own sanctuary because I'd like to lay down some roots for a while. And I've got all my furniture in storage and some of it is historical so grown up with its, its antiques. I love mm -hmm. antiques because when I touch them and when I see them, I feel a history. You know, I feel a vibration for all beautiful energies that they've gathered over the hundred years or more. And they are comforting to me. But in having to downsize, 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 I realized I didn't need that. I didn't need that. didn't that. All I've got around me now are either very functional things or things that really mean something to me. And it's, you know, it's not a question you have to get rid of everything and just walk in life with a backpack. But it's like, if it doesn't have a meaning, you're just holding on to it because let it go. If it doesn't serve a purpose, let it go. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yes, I think that's true. And I think that it's easy to just, it, it, it's sometimes easier just by default to carry the things that we have to just yeah. to not, to not let them go. Yes. But I do, I do think, I do think letting go is an art. I mean, I know mm. people who hoard things and, yeah. you know, women my age who still have their children's baby clothes and, you know, their kids are in college and beyond. And, and I have found there's just such freedom in letting go on multiple levels. And, you know, my book is divided up, it's divided into three sections, body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, for me, my experience was that healing on one level just led naturally to the next. You yes. know, I started as a physical inquiry, but then it kind of moved into the mental, emotional, and then it moved into the psycho-spiritual realm. And I think that it's impossible to separate when we're talking, when we talk about you know, what we carry when we talk about our health. You can't talk about health just in a physical way. You can't say like, no. this is just a physical problem. No. There's no. no such thing. I mean, we don't, we're not designed that way. We, if we look at it, if you take particles from the universe and you also look what the world is made up of, and then you look at what we're made of and you will see it's the same substance. It's all an energy source. It's all a frequency. If you look at how much water is in the world, how much water is in our body, when you look at the, the vibrations that we set out, the vibrations, the world and the universe sets out, it's understanding that whatever happens to you externally and internally is going to have a, a reaction. But it's also what happens in the world. You know, and I say to people, if you want to bring world peace, first find your inner peace because your inner peace raises your vibration up that then mm -hmm. helps the, vib the vibrational peace of the world. So we really owe it to the world, don't we, to step into a higher vibration. I, I agree. I, I say that all the time. I say, you know, healing is an inside job and it starts yes. with me. It starts with me. Yeah. And, you know, if I, if I can pay attention to my own healing and if I can elevate my vibration and create some altitude with my attitude, yes. that's, that's going like to make that. a difference. 
That's yes. going to make a difference. Yes. Altitude with your attitude. I like that. That's a good <laughs> one. Um, and that is the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, you've seen the water experiment, haven't you? You know, the glass of water that was yelled at all the time and it went black. The water. Oh, that, I don't know. Oh, I don't no, know if it's, it's a scientist. Uh, I can't remember who did it, but he did three glasses. One was anger at it all the time and literally the water everything went black and dark then there was one where there was nothing no attention given to it whatsoever and it never transformed it just stayed as water and then there was the one that was given love and affirmations and it literally came into beautiful crystals um oh yeah it, yeah i'm right? thinking it was a japanese man who yes did that. yes and yeah. the thing is is that if we're made up of water and this planet is made up of water and water is a conduit if we love and nurture ourselves just think of all that beautiful vibrational crystallization that we're doing in our body that raises that frequency at the same time if we give in to the anger or impart that hate and anger on others that's mm -hmm. that black water you're trying to pour over everyone else and then it's the same thing though with neglect if we neglect ourselves mm -hmm. and if we neglect that nurturing then there is nothing being fed to our water. And all we're doing is just working on a very low frequency of survival. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that, unfortunately, um, you know, we can't give what we don't have. Right. Right. So, and, 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 and that unconditional love and acceptance and a willingness to, to lay down judgment and blame and anger and all of that, that's just, I find that that's just an ongoing learning for me because yeah. it's not like I was raised, I mean, I was raised in a loving home, but, but my parents were dealing with their own issues. And right. so they, you know, I, I mean, I grew up with the thought, I mean, this is incredible to me now, but I grew up with the thought that if I wasn't outstanding, I didn't deserve to exist. Yep. Which, I mean, wow, what a misunderstanding. I know. And, and, and by whose standard? This is why I call it society's expectation. Because somewhere, somewhere along the line, everybody has said that you have to have this house, this car, this image, and this much money in the bank to be important. Right, right. right? And right. they've forgotten about the enrichment of our beautiful inner abundance and how absolutely precious that is the amount of people i've interviewed that have had you know the million plus dollar homes and ended up having to work extra hours in order to pay for it or you know it was all paid for and they had big businesses and they but i'm still empty i'm still empty i'm still unhappy why and then giving it all up to follow that path that means something to them, that feeds the soul and the heart and the spirit, and to discover that enrichment and that abundance in them where that cup runneth over and everyone else benefits. We've got to stop looking at not just material things. We've got to stop looking at money as being right. as power. Oh, I've yeah. got nothing against money. Give it to me. I know exactly what to do with it exactly what to do with it put it to work as it's meant to do but this worship of money as being able to buy you love and buy you an image and buy you peace and buy you health is a whole load of cod swallow yeah i couldn't agree with you more and i think what's really interesting too where i live in los angeles there's a lot of million you know yeah. huge estates and yes sometimes when i will go into them i i don't even know like am i looking at this person's wealth or their debt 
Oh, yes, yes. The slavery to keeping up that image, to right. keeping up that wealth, you know, to their importance being attached to that image and that wealth. You know, who, we, who is free? They're not. And when is it enough? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In every way, uh-huh. you know, not only in terms of money, but, you know, in terms of what we do and how we show up in the world. And, you know, I mean, for the longest time, nothing I did was ever good enough. <gasps> you know, I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> yes. You know, I always say the biggest perfection is our imperfections because, yeah. you know, that's the uniqueness of us. If every single looked the same and we were all a perfect mold, you know, then we would just be humanoids. We wouldn't be human. What makes us so beautifully perfect is the fact that we do all have these lovely little imperfections that makes us unique. Yeah. Yeah. And my challenge sometimes is to just, you know, sometimes I think I should know better. Like if I lose my temper or if I become sad or whatever it is with my daughter or my husband or a friend, you know, I, I sometimes feel like, Oh, well, you should know better. You know, you have this education, you've written this book, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, but the truth is, you know, we're all just human and we're all doing the best we can. Right. And, and, but I do find as soon as I realize that I'm just engaging with a thought yes. that I'm having some kind of thinking and, and the more thinking there is, you know, the more it's storming inside my mind, the, the, the more difficult my emotions. Yes. So yes. Um, the more I sort of realize that, I can kind of disengage. I'm learning how to disengage. Yeah. I'm learning how to just, like we said before, I'm learning how to just let go. Okay, I've got those thoughts. It doesn't, just because they're there doesn't mean they're true. doesn't mean I have to invest my belief dollars in those thoughts. Yes. But what you're doing is you're tapping into your emotions. And instead of becoming emotional about them, which is so easy to do. Right. You know, I'm angry. What am I angry about? I'm going to stir it up. You know, I'm right. angry. What's caused that? How do I avoid it? How do I let it go? So right. that's been the emotional entombment. You right. know, that reaction has been brought up for me for a reason. What brought it up? Right. Well, you know, I mean, when you... From it, not, get, not immerse yourself into it. Yeah. When you say what caused it, I know mm. that every time I'm feeling an emotion, it's caused by a thought. Yes. Yes. And, and the, the challenge is not to get um, sucked into the thought and not to engage with the thinking. The yeah. challenge is to just say, okay, that's a thought. You know, the truth is, if it's a thought that doesn't uplift me, mm-hmm. it's not worth engaging. Right. Especially, and if it's a thought that's like going to fill me with fear or dread or, or doubt, that's really, that's not the kind of thinking that I want to support and embrace and and accept and you know like i'm just okay the thought came in all right i don't know where it came from it came in but you know what i'm just gonna let it come right back out yeah i'm I'm not gonna hold on to it there's a great american proverb that says let go or be dragged no i've i've experienced that this over this last weekend with um um somebody picking on an altercation with me i wasn't doing it the way she wanted it to be done and so the voice was raised and I'm sorry I don't accept that you know I've been through that in my life I don't accept that you know and it's ended up causing some friction because I step back my vibration changes right obviously yeah. the protection so it, it was written you know about this that etc and uh, and she wanted to talk about it and I thought I don't because I know where that's going to go so I just laid out the points and said, I've said my piece. You've said your piece. Full stop. We move on. 
It's great. And how you choose to move on is up to you. Right? Yeah. I'm just going to move on and still be courteous and light. I will still have a little barrier there, though, of course. But it's some people want to worry about it, worry it, want to stir it up. Oh, you know, and it's no, I chose not the conversation because sometimes, you know, the conversation is just going to escalate. So sometimes take the step back, think about it, write it out perhaps, because in there you're looking at your words, you've chosen how to articulate. Mm -hmm. You've also look at it and say, do I really want to say that? Do I really feel that? And then, you know, get it off your chest and then filter it down. And when you feel ready that you could send this without offense but it's just a statement of being, then you can clear the air and do that. But sometimes I think we have to choose how we are going to react to something. We can't always ignore it, right? right. Because the right. human side of it won't let us. But how we choose to interact with it is that we have to first remove ourselves, think, feel about it, and then choose the way that we're going to interact with it that does honor ourselves. I think that's just such wisdom. I mean, I know why your listeners tune in to, to your show because that's wise. That's wisdom. That's hard earned wisdom. You know, that just doesn't, you're not, you're, I mean, maybe we are born with that, but we forget. Yes. And I, I think we're born with everything we need, but we, we get we forget. Path. Yeah. And yeah. I also like the word responsibility. Yes. Which, which if you break it down, it means response. Yes. Ability, which is the ability to respond, which though we can't control our circumstances, we can control how we, we respond react. to them. Mm -hmm. And we don't, and I'm, when I think of react, I think of, you know, react, like it, it seems like there's less, less consciousness with react, mm -hmm. you know, even though maybe not, you know, maybe well, not. I just, we see people knee jerk reaction, which right. means there was no thought behind it. It's just a reaction. You know, the mouth's right. open or the fists come out and it's just right. a reaction. When you're talking about responsibility, it is taking ownership of that action. Yes, exactly. It's a response. It's the ability to respond yeah. in a way that is maybe a little more thoughtful, that is maybe going to um, prevent you from suffering because right. really we just innocently create our own suffering. Right. I mean, we know that when we look at the amount of bullying and of course you unfortunately got somebody that's a big bullier out there at the present moment and and it can be very frustrating to see this all the time because it doesn't make sense and it also doesn't make sense of how it's being allowed and it doesn't make sense of why it continues over and over again because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been accepted in the past. Yes. So it seems to be there's double standards right now. But I would say as human beings, and you look at all the creatures on the planet, as human beings, we are absolutely exemplary awesome, wonderful, kind, caring, brilliant, creative people. On the other side of the scale, we are also the worst scum in the world. But it's up to us which path we choose to be on. Yeah. Right? And, and, go ahead. And, that, and that's where the decision is right now. What are you mm -hmm. wanting to feed? Are you wanting to evolve up as a humanity? not a segregation, as a humanity. And I think this is the invitation that we're seeing out there right now. Don't react. Be responsible for your raising your own vibration for the sake of humanity. Yeah, I mean, I asked myself the question, um, you know, where is the good here in this, mm -hmm. situa in this situation? And the, the, the message that I get around that is... Um, 
similar to when I developed the anxiety disorder, sometimes things have to come up in order yes. to come out. Yes. And sometimes there needs yes. to be, you know, this kind of a figure mm -hmm. and th this kind of thinking so that there can be a backlash. And we've seen yes. you know, the extraordinary right. will and word of, of millions of people saying this is unacceptable. Absolutely. It was an invitation. Yes. You know, last, yeah. last year my song was Rise Up by Andrea Day. And it's not rise up in your pitchforks. It's rise up arm in arm as a Absolutely. humanity and say, this is the vibration that we wish to live on. The frequency yeah. we wish to live on. And we are not going to reduce ourselves down to that level. And if yep. you wish to live on this vibration, join us. And together yep. in our symphony, we're going to change the dial. Yes. And I think that's what's happening as, yes. as as horrific as it's everything seems right now politically, mm -hmm. I think that we are evolving yes. as, a, as a species, as a culture, as a planet. I mean, I, I have to think that because the alternative, the alternative is not something I want to contribute to right. creating. Yes. And the thing is, is uh, you saying that you've already sent that vibration ahead of you. It's already being felt out there. And if somebody doesn't know it's coming from you, um, you have stepped into it with veganism. Um, you know, my, I've got um, my daughter and my future son-in-law and, and my son's girlfriend are all vegans. I'm vegetarian. I'm not quite vegan yet. But it's, we're seeing this change already happening. And it's, some people are vegan because of the change of diet. They're needing it for health. Some people, it's a conscious thing. But the point is, is that that responsibility for our health, for the consciousness that we wish to ride in, the, the, the way we want to interact with the world is already taking place. And all we're doing is saying to somebody, what's your part in it? Yes. And I'd like to say, too, that I'm not here to say to you or to any of your listeners, you should become vegan. No, right. that's not my message. No. My message is turn to your own wisdom. Yes. I'm telling my story about how I, you know, went through this healing journey and it helped me. And if there's anything in my story that can help others, that's fantastic. But I'm not telling you or anybody else how to navigate your path because only right. you know how to do that. Yes. Yes. That's not my, that's not my job. That's not, you know, I can tell my story and that's, you know, and, and I've, it's been a remarkable journey and I'm pleased to share it. And many, many, many people have reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. I just saw myself reflected in the pages of your story. And that's what I want. That's that the point. is what it's about. That's, that's the what point it's about. of yes. a memoir. I mean, yeah. there were two things. I mean, the writing of it, honestly, I didn't know I was writing. This is the interesting thing. I didn't know I was writing a book about anxiety mm. until after I'd written it and somebody read it <laughs> and they said, you know, this is really about your anxiety and your desire to heal it even before you knew what it was. Right. Because what I've learned is that for years I suffered with anxiety, but I didn't know what it was because it, it was just physical things like, yeah. like I would get a headache or I would get dizzy or my stomach would hurt or I would, you know, I would, I don't know, maybe I, there were various physical symptoms and it wasn't until I had the anxiety disorder and I ended up in the office of an anxiety therapist and he handed me a list of physical, um, mental and, and, and emotional, uh, um, symptoms that people with anxiety face. And I looked at the, the sheet, you know, the physical symptom, you know, difficulty breathing, pressure in the chest, you know, ten body tension, um, jitters, you know, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? 
Yeah. That's anxiety. And, and for years I had felt those things and just, I didn't, you know, I thought maybe who knows this, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was dealing with. And so really the writing of the book was cathartic. Was, it was cathartic. So it was yeah. helpful for me, but I think that whenever any of us speak our truth, whenever yes. we bear witness in the most basic and humble way, people, people identify, people resonate. They see themselves in the story because we are all yes. connected. We are all the same. We all have these experiences. This is exactly what Self-Discovery Radio is all about. By you sharing your story, you are inspiring someone else that then invites them to believe they too can take this journey. They too can find the answers that they seek. You know, Absolutely. they too can raise the value in themselves. And that's the point. We are inspired by somebody who has been there, who's open and honest and is saying, look, this is the difficulty I had. This is what I do to cope with it. These are the challenges I still do have. I do have a disease and it's one that really lets me know when it's boss and I have to have a partnership with it. I have to make sure I don't do anything to upset it because if I do, then it's going to take charge. So it's, it's a balance that you constantly live in, but I'm not defined by it. Right. It's just I, my life challenge, right? Right. And I think we all have life challenges. Yes. I mean, there is yes. no one no one among us who doesn't have life challenges. Mm. So, you know, exactly. welcome yeah. to the world of, of, of being Humanity. Human. Yeah. <laughs> being human. I mean, because the spirit doesn't have those challenges, but it is. Um, and it's also not just stepping into spirit and ignoring the body which was something I like to do, but it's, um, you know, I think that's the reason why I do have these physical things. It's keep reminding me I have a body, right? And it's, you know, living in harmony with self. And that's very, very important. But it's also knowing your limitations, knowing yeah. your, your triggers. You know, I will do this. I won't do that. And standing by it, you know, I won't tolerate that or I will not do that because it's against my core. Yeah. And, you know, when your core speaks to you, it's going to speak to you until you pay attention, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't get your attention with a light feather on the shoulder, you know, it is, <laughs> yes. we, you said the two by four earlier. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. And, and I, and these are things that, you know, I mean, I, I watch my 21 year old daughter, you know, and I see the challenges of navigating the, the millennial generation and, and I just, I realized, wow, there's just so much to learn. I mean, when I was her age, I had no idea what my mom was dealing with. Right, exactly. I had um, no clue. Yes, and, and it's very interesting how we repeat because I loved my dad, but my dad and my mom together were wrong. And so there was a lot of narcissistic behavior there that was brought out because of the wrong relationship. Mm -hmm. I thought I was marrying somebody completely different. And I ended up marrying my father on steroids, <laughs> oh. right? And that is because I thought I was being an opposite and in control, but I hadn't dealt with my, my inner, you know, and a lot of it was, is that because my dad died when I was young, I didn't kind of recognize those triggers. You know, I didn't recognize what was happening and I had to be in the marriage to find that out. But I think one of the things when people keep saying to, why does this keep happening to me? We have to understand some on some level, we're still inviting it. Yes. Right. And what are we going to do with that invitation? Because it's right. obviously asking us to address it and make sure we stop putting stamps on it and keep sending it out. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's the difference between, you know, being a victim in one's life yes. and recognizing opportunities. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't change. I mean, most of us do, don't change unless we're forced to. Yes. Because, I don't know, change, I mean, I think that the two things that I discovered in middle age that, that were challenging for me when everybody started dying was I became aware of two realities of life that I previously never understood. One was uncertainty. Yes. And the other is impermanence. Yeah. And those are, you know, those are pretty, that's what I call it, like, Coming to peace with those two things is what I call spiritual adulthood. Right. It's learning to live in the now, isn't it? You know, this is the moment you've got. Not only that. I mean, yes, yes. It's learning to live in the now and it's accepting that, that we're, we, don't, we don't go on forever. Right. This, this is not permanent and this is not certain. And at any moment, the, the, everything could change. And, and the thing is, is that if we want to leave something behind, like our own little legacy, is by investing it in the now, that when we do go, we have got something. We have right. left some wisdom. You know, um, for me, it's the, it's the Orchard of Wisdom library with the shows. It is what do you want to be remembered for? Somebody that ran from everything or somebody that stood and faced it? Somebody that really stepped into their joy? Because... You know, you can go to a funeral and go, you know, they were a miserable bugger. They never got out and enjoyed themselves. Or you can celebrate that life that was they lived their life to the fullest. And they really seized life and, uh, and really enjoyed it. And who are we inspired by? The person that seized the day. And, and I'm just going to say this just like as a comfort to myself, because I had kind of a rough morning this morning. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to just say that, and, you know, and it's okay when we have both. Yes. You know, yes. like, I, like yes. I, I, in many ways, people read my book and they say, God, you know, you're so, you have so much courage, you know, you're so, you know, so brave and blah, blah, blah. And then there's a, something that happens in my life where yeah. I feel completely consumed by fear. Right. And I know that, I know that I can't be in love and fear simultaneously. And I know that the smart thing to do is to just come from a place of love all the time. But do I? Right. Well, don't talk to my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can't have gladness without sadness. Right. You know, and that sadness sometimes is, it's okay. You know, sometimes it's just wrap yourself in arms. You know, go, go get some love from someone. You know, I think sometimes the sadness is, is that you're running on empty and you just right. need a fill up of love. Right. And right. then this can be enough sometimes to shift you. It's also realizing what am I taking on that's causing this sadness? And, you know, is, is it too much? Because if it becomes more sadness than gladness, you know, you're out of balance. Yeah. And for me, I just know, like when I'm feeling sad, it's because I have a bunch of sad thinking going on in my head and that's creating sad feelings. And if I, I sometimes get into trouble if I try to analyze or think about like, well, why am I feeling so sad? I mean, oh, when I was going through the anxiety disorder, I was impossible. I, to my husband, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why don't you know? Because I wanted to get, I wanted to get rid of it. I was resisting it. I was fighting. And he would say, Bella, you know, your mom just died. My parents yes. just died. Your brother, yeah. my brother, you know, yeah. people are dying. You're in the yes. middle of, you know, you're not, you're, you have a lawsuit that you're in the middle of. You're an executor of an estate. You don't want to be doing this. Right. You know, it's not a mystery. No, exactly. You know? and, and it's a very normal reaction to have. And you can't deny it because you've got to go through it. Exactly. And the, and the thing is, though, but what I've learned, though, is my body is a barometer. Mm-hmm. So if my body is feeling and my emotions too, if I'm feeling out of sorts, if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling fearful, it's because I'm having a lot of fearful, anxious thinking. Yes. 
And if I just, you know, and I just, I feel like I've said this before, but I feel like it's important to just say again and again, because we're, I was raised to believe that how I was, was came from the outside in. In yep. other words, the, the things that happened in my life dictated how I would feel. And I was On just responding to what I would feel. And what I'm saying is, no, 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 that's not the, that's not the truth of the way we create our human experience. We create our human experience from the inside out. And, and it's not the things that happen around us. It's, it's what is our thinking around, you know, what, like, you know, for example, if airplanes had the power to make everybody nervous, Everybody would be af afraid to fly, yes. but only some people are afraid to fly. And that's because the people who are afraid to fly have anxious thinking right. about flying. Yes. And it's the same thing with every, every life experience. And the thing that I find so interesting is that, you know, our thoughts are powerful, even though, you know, even though we can't control them, like what comes into our mind, right. you know, we do, we can, if we, if we allow the thoughts that, are, that aren't helpful to pass through and we don't dwell on them and we don't engage them and we don't embroider them, then we, you know, we have this sort of spaciousness. You know, yes. we don't, we have free, we're free. Right. We're, not pris we're not prisoners of our own thought. Another dream that I had around the same issue was I was in a jail, a prison cell, mm -hmm. and my hands were like this, holding the bars. I was gripping the bars. And I, something occurred to me to look over to my right, and I looked over to my right, and I saw an open field of California poppies. And I'm like, wow, that's so weird. I turned to my left, and I saw all these pine trees. I was like, what the hell is going on here? I turned around, and I realized that I was completely surrounded by wilderness. Yes. But there I was, yeah. holding on to these bars, and I heard a little voice say, wiggle, you know, let go, wiggle your fingers. And I started, I woke up wiggling my fingers. Right. And we don't realize that the, you know, the jail that we're in is the one we put ourselves in out of fear. You know, fear is so crippling. It is it's so powerful because it can talk you out of anything. Right. right? Or talk you into something. Right. right. And right. Um, what we're seeing right now, you know, in, around the world is fear driven. Right. Yes. And, you know, hate comes from fear. It comes from yeah. the ignorance because you're too afraid to know the truth and all of that. It's all fear-based. You cannot hate if you're in a state of love. Right. You can dislike and disapprove. Yes. But you can't hate. And how many of us put ourselves in our own jail through these thoughts that aren't serving us and we don't realize we have the key all the time? Right. right. And it's not, and it's not like, I don't say that to like place any blame. I say it like, no. wow, this, this knowledge has helped, you know, helps to free me, Yes, you know, because we are in many ways like fish in water. The fish are not aware of the water they're swimming in. No. You know, and just like we oftentimes have a lot of thinking that we're not aware that we're having, but it right. does create our feelings our, and then our, then how we feel creates our behavior so our thoughts really are, you know, they're doing a lot of creating. So I have fa I found in my journey that it was very useful to just cultivate some kind of an awareness of my thinking, you know, yeah. not to be like a thought police, but you yes. know, just to be aware. And then when I, and sometimes I don't catch what I'm thinking and it's, it's shitty stuff that I'm thinking. Sorry right. for the word. Right. Yeah, no, no. But yeah. It's just garbage. garbage in, garbage out. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so it has, it, so it does, it really helps me when I'm in, a, in an upset of whatever the nature is. It just helps me to know, oh, there's a bunch of thinking going on. I don't really have to do anything. Like I used to think, oh, if I don't meditate, if I don't write in my journal, if I don't 
have a massage, if I don't do these things, uh, there's a wonderful uh, spiritual teacher in the States called Michael Neal. He actually does a lot of work in England as well. And he calls those behaviors behavioral Prozac. Mm-hmm. And at, at first when I, I heard like <laughs> at first when I heard that, I thought, but wait a minute, I need those practices. You know, those practices help me, they balance me. But I'm finally beginning to understand that what his message is, was and is, is that is that we're okay the way we are. Like we really are. We're you know, we are covered. The universe has our back. We have divine essence within us. Yes. And if we if we just know that, we can relax a little bit. You know, right. we don't chill. We don't, chill. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, Michelle Pascal, who's been on a few times, a, a wonderful um, monk, French monk, uh, who does meditation, and he takes people to meditate in Times Square, and you know, yeah. teaches them to be the mountain amongst the chaos. And yeah. this is the thing about meditation, about finding our peace. It's never, you know, we're never going to get attacked when we're in our little peaceful zone. It happens mm-hmm. when we're out there. So, how do we? take those thoughts that suddenly come into our head where we feel fearful or under attack or we don't like what we're seeing. We need to bring our feelings up and our feeling doesn't like that thought, doesn't like what's going on. And the feelings have to take over and say, well, what are you going to do to redirect? What are you going to do to get into a different space so that you're not going to feel this fear? If we're trapped in our thoughts, it's like a spiral going on around and round and round so we need to bring our feelings up to know how to address those thoughts right and for me it was a challenge because when i was in the anxiety disorder i felt like i was in a pit yeah and i i couldn't crawl out of the pit mm. and but i knew it got bad when i started what i call decorating my pit <laughs> you know like i'm choosing artwork for my pit for the walls of my pit you know and so but i so there's a balance i think between feeling our emotions. Yes. And you know, like, like if I feel sadness or grief, which happens from time to time, you know, like just to let myself have a good cry. Yes. You know, it's okay. It's cleansing. Yes. Yeah. It's actually okay. Sometimes as long as it doesn't turn to hate or, or, you know, unreasonable anger. I mean, I get upset by the news I see. I get upset by what's going on. I will speak out about it, but not in a way that is demeaning or damning. It's, it's, I will speak out in accountability. You know, if you know this is wrong, instead of just moaning about it, what are you going to do? You know, the ocean is made up of many drops. And yes. if, you know, one drop of kindness can go a long way. If everybody put a drop of kindness out there, a drop of compassion out there, a drop of love out there, imagine what kind of world we would have. So if we don't like what we see, we've got to become the solution in any which way. And sometimes it's just purely raising our vibration of love. Yes, I agree with you. And I think that different people have different gifts and different yes. ways of expressing. Yes. You know, I really believe in expressing all these feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I like to dance. I like, you know, creative movement. Yes. Journal writing. I mean, like I like to express it. And, you know, people have different ways that they like to show up, that they can be of service. Some people that- love to, to show up and, 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 and um, you know, be with, in big crowds and protest. Right. And- yes. So I personally, I'm not comfortable in big crowds like that. That's not like, that's, that doesn't honor me, you know, but, but I can show up in my way, you know, I can write about what I'm seeing and I can have conversations with people and I can continue to work on, on my, you know, spiritual growth and evolution so that I can make contributions in other ways. And I think that, you know, I think sometimes people feel like, well, I should do this and I should do that. And, 
And I think, again, I always, I always bring my students and clients back to, you know, well, what does your wisdom tell you? Yes. But every, again, going back to the musical instrument, or well, not one instrument. Somebody might just be the little bells or the triangles. Somebody is the big, you know, complex harp or whatever. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. Just prefer right. your own instrument, right? Because if you're a blogger, if you're an interviewer, if you're a writer, if you're on the soapbox, if you're a person that just goes around giving people hugs and caring or doing something, the whole thing is don't measure it compared to someone else. It's got to be just done from your heart. And if we step into heart space and with good intent, whatever yes. we do will count. Absolutely. And I think comparisons really fundamentally are hateful. Oh, yes. And, and they're also what... They're insecure and they're unproductive. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think that in, in this time with social media, I think that, that there's an even greater danger because I, I sometimes recognize that I'll be comparing my insides with somebody else's outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's dangerous too because, you know, the images that, that we present on social media, we look a certain way, we're smiling, we're happy, mm -hmm. you know, but like, but let me tell you about what happened this morning, you know, yes. and so, and, and I mean, so I think that happens too. I think, yeah, I think we compare, I know I do sometimes, you know, somebody else's outsides to my insides and, and that's not helpful either. Yeah, and this expectation, I know when, when I was talked into doing videos and not just being a podcast, you know, my, my uh, reaction was, is who wants to see a middle-aged woman out there? Everybody wants to see something young and pretty. And I heard, I literally saw myself standing there and say to myself, uh, it's about the content. It's not about the package. Right? Well, not, not only that, but I mean, the is culture. Side side? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, That's it's okay. my side. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Should I wait it out? Yeah, wait it out. That's fine. Somebody's calling you. They got the message. You know, you've got the vibration. But that's the thing. That is an outside thinking, isn't it? You know, and, and, and then the inside came and spoke to me and said, oh, come on, girl, you know? Totally outside. Not yeah. only that, but not only that, but the thinking is so flawed because, yes. truth, because we know, because we are where we are in this stage right. of life, we know that we've done a lot of learning and we've made... <laughs> Yeah. We've made a lot of mistakes and we know what we know. We've earned our knowledge. Exactly. And exactly. so, you know, if you put, you know, you put a bunch of 20 year olds on this call and they're not going to be having a discussion like this. No, no. And, you know, you know, I call it the, you know, the, um, the Orchard of Wisdom Library ready for your clicking. Uh, because all these archive shows, we have around 2000 shows now collectively wow. on the station that you think about that knowledge half an hour to an hour from most shows and my shows are always an hour. And you think about that lifetime experience that you're getting in one hour, that wisdom, that knowledge. And if you think about, you know, coming to listen and read this library of this wisdom and how it can help you on your journey. I mean, it's stop looking for the quick fixes. Yeah. Right? We, we don't put somebody's lifetime in 20, in five minutes. Yes. You know, even in an hour, we only scratch the surface. Yes. Right? And it's, you can't take someone's lifetime of discovery, self-discovery and the wisdom and, and the skills and the knowledge that's come out in, in a short, you know, spot. It, 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 and you will not be ready to hear this knowledge until you've reached a certain point in life. That's so true. I mean, I, I was thinking just earlier today, um, my daughter's studying abroad in Europe right now, and she's going to be going to Nepal. And I, mm. 
I was just thinking she's never been to a third world country before. And I was thinking as I was driving in Los Angeles and there was traffic and there were stores everywhere. I was just thinking, wow, what an interesting experience that will be for her to be in the Himalayas and to be with people who are living a totally different kind of life. And, um, and I was just thinking about how we don't really respect, you know, we don't always respect our elders in this culture. And I was thinking about my mom who was a remarkable woman. She was, she was a great, great lady, but sometimes she would like, we would go out to restaurants and she'd be rude to servers or, you know, and I was, and I, I was just writing in my journal before this, this conversation that we're having. And I was thinking like, well, do we just respect people? elders just because they're elders or you know do we hold them accountable for their behavior my daughter and, used to hold her grandmother accountable my mother died at 95 and that was three years ago now so she was born in 1920 into a different culture um her father was a colonel in the indian army and then she went back to to england and they were brought up in a totally different time period of a tear you know and my mom could be very racist now i know in her heart she wasn't. She meet someone, get to know them, didn't matter. But as, you know, when it came to violence, or when it came to this, or it came to that, she would clump people. And my daughter, right from a very young age, would call her on it. And uh, grandma, that's very racist. I'm not going to accept that kind of talk around me. And my mother would be surprised because, of course, you know, children didn't have an opinion. And there's my very right. opinionated daughter. Right. And, it's, uh, and it was holding her accountable. And, you know, we re- I realized it was the culture she was brought up in. Right. right? But that right. doesn't mean that we have to, we, we give certain, you know, stretch on it. But we've also got to call it if we think it's completely wrong. You're not attacking them. You're pointing out this in this day and age. It's just not acceptable. So I think it takes a certain amount of grace for a 90-year-old woman yes. to, ha- to have her, you know, 20-year-old granddaughter or however old she was. She was 10. ten- oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so, like, so I guess I, have, I wonder about that. You know, yeah. I mean, I have, like, I, I mean, that's so interesting. I mean, think of the amount, think of the, think of the grace and comportment and self-knowledge that that 90-year-old has to have yeah. To just be on the receiving end of that kind of a correction from a 10-year-old. Yes. yes, exactly. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And I realized that the racism purely came through fear. And where the fear came from was from the stirring up of the media. Right. Right? So the media loves, I always call it the CNN effect. They take a pimple and make it into a volcanic eruption. Right. right? And they're always going to stir up the shit. You know, yeah. oh, we got you worked up yet. Are you afraid yet? Yes. Oh, here we come in our white horse to save you. You know, and yes. you need saving because there wasn't anything to be fearful of except the news. Well, there's something more insidious even than what you're pointing. And the, 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 the other piece of that is that fear sells. Oh, big bucks. Big bucks. It also puts people in power that shouldn't be there. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So, you know, we really do have to be accountable for our choices. And we also have to understand that if you are afraid of somebody, especially if they are a different race or a different this or a different that to you, where is that fear coming from? Is it a condition? Is it something that you've been taught? Yes. Is there a reason behind it? Have you got your facts straight? Is there a vibration that that person is setting off that sets off those fear triggers? Because don't ignore those. But if you're just fearing a culture 
of fearing a race or fearing somebody because you've been taught to, when are you going to step back and take ownership and say, this isn't right? And you know what? It's so interesting what you're saying, because sometimes we can know these things intellectually. I'll give you an example. When I was a child, my mother loved the, the play South Pacific, the musical South yes. Pacific. Great music. And it, yeah. And there's a wonderful song. I don't know what the title is, but the lyrics are, you've got to be taught. You've, mm-hmm. got, you've got to be taught to hate and to fear, you know, yes. to hate all the people your relatives hate, you know. Right. And my mom used to love that song. And she used to say, like, this is such an important lesson. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to be taught. And then yet I could still see in her, in her personality sometimes, you know, those, I could see her own racism. Right. You know, and, and, and but she didn't see it. No. So I, I, so I think that, I think, I think it's a really valid, um, thing to to look within and to really try to cultivate you know awareness and consciousness without judgment because you know what we were taught some of these things that aren't that aren't so attractive that we don't want to have necessarily we were taught them and to just to be gentle with ourselves and to also I mean the best place to practice being loving is with ourselves well I gave my mother a very good lesson because I married a Chinese guy (laughs) and my children are half half and, oh. and of course, then she's now holding these mixed children. And does she look at them as mixed children or does she just look at it as a grandchild? And she actually did write something on the holding of this child and seeing it for what it is and not oh. the great mix, which was beautiful. So kind of, you know, I think that was a gift to her to, for her to, to realize. Still didn't stop some other things later. But, you know, it's... Um, you know, always something happened. I didn't, I didn't marry somebody for that. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it was a, an eye-opener for her. And I think, you know, I can find myself sometimes kind of reacting to something I shouldn't. And, yeah. you know, and we've got to realize that I was brought up to react. I was brought up to be reactionary. And it's very easy to be reactionary because that is you're reacting without thought actually you haven't thought about it you just reacted and then it's the default setting yes and then and then your thought will protect what you're doing oh well i'm justified in thinking that way or reacting that way and then your heart and your soul goes hello (laughs) no you're not i'm coming into this conversation here yeah and we have to hold ourselves in check we really do yes i i agree i agree and i think that everything that's happening in the world today and particularly in this country that I live in is um, every day I feel personally that I have a, an opportunity to deepen in my awareness, in my loving, in my wisdom. Uh, And it's challenging. It is. And, And the thing is, it's about the thing is whatever happens in America is going to domino elsewhere and we're next door. Right. And of course, he's at war with us. What America has to do at this present moment is rise up above the hate. Now, you can still hold someone accountable. You can still say intolerance. We're not going to take that. We are not going to accept that behavior. We will hold you accountable for it. And, And when you've got voice says, saying that not with the pitchfork not with the anger not with the hate but with the accountability yes at some point the scale is going to to absolutely and I, think, I, I think you're very much close to it right now and please yes. if we could continue i agree i absolutely agree i think that that is what's happening mm-hmm. and i think that there are so many voices of dissent there you yes. know but of you know 
there's there are men, I in my perception there's many many more people that are just saying this is not acceptable. Right. Do you remember the movie The Network? That saying, I am sick and tired, and I'm not yes. going to take this anymore. Yes, yes, this yes. Is America is right now. Yes, and know? I think that's where I think the. I mean, I think the majority of Americans yes. are feeling that way. Well, certainly the majority of Americans, you know, in my neck of yeah. the woods. Right. But I think even across the country, I mean, even you know, even Republicans are just saying this is unacceptable. This is outrageous. We have never had a president say the kinds of things that he says, or do the kind of, or do the things, things that he's done. Yeah. I mean, we've and, never. And you you keep it. looking at. What, when is it going to be enough? Children? Right. You know, I don't care what race, color, whatever else you want. When it comes to children, their innocence. And you do not do something that harms that child. That is against all humanity and societal thing. You always protect the kids. And so Absolutely. when is it going to be enough for America to say no more? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're, I mean, I, I think and pray mm -hmm. that we're close. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Me that it too. can't go on. That it can't go on. I keep sending out the prayers. And of course, most of the people I interview are from America. And, and most of the people listen are from America. And I know I hear this pain across everybody, no matter what they're talking about. And it's because it is so against humanity. But again, we have to look at it. It is also a gift. Because if you allow it, it will unite you stronger in love, in purpose, as a whole community, as a whole nation, it will make you better, but you've yes. got to choose what you're going to feed. I agree with you, Sarah. I, I really agree with you. I think you're so, so wise and so, I mean, I'm just enjoying this conversation so much. I feel just inspired in your, just in your presence, frankly. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Ditto, yeah. my darling. Ditto. I mean, speak people like you that makes the station go and the reason why I do it. I love Great. embracing and celebrating people's redirect. The courage, the strength to say, my life isn't working. I am going to go on my self-discovery to see how I can make my life the best it can be so I can be of service to my community. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, frankly, I don't even, my vision wasn't even that big when I started writing raw. My vision was, I mean, frankly, I just knew that I needed to heal myself. Yes. Because I knew that my doctor wasn't going to heal me. No, they're limited. Right. They're limited, so, you know. I mean, I'm not, I have nothing against Western medicine. No. But, but they're I not just taught knew. these other alternatives. They're right. not taught everything. And the thing is, you took responsibility for your own beingness. Yeah. I mean, I did. I really did. I walked away. I mean, I basically said my healing is my responsibility and, and it took me on a 10 year journey and right. it was a holistic healing journey because I, I believe in, you know, the yes. whole person, yes. I you know, and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that it was my responsibility and that it was my opportunity Yes, to heal yes. myself. And that your book now and this show well, for somebody who's at that crossroads, who's looking for answers, who's tried this and who's tried that and tried that, it's now an invitation. You know, this worked for you. And again, it wasn't like, ha ha, you know, I'm right. healed. It's not it like I'm done healing. Right. No, it is, it is a step. The raw yeah. diet, or even if it's not raw, the veganism is a step in the right direction. You, the thing is, when you honor yourself and you choose to live from the inside out, you learn what your body needs. Yes. Your body will tell you it's going to have a dialogue with you. Yes. When you get that up stomach, up stomach, but just the same meal you had yesterday and you didn't then, what's causing the upset stomach? Most likely it's something going on. 
that's causing an anxiety that's causing the stomach to react. Right. Right. So it's pay attention to you. Yes. From the inside out on every level. Yes. And that is really my message. You know, I mean, yeah. when I first wrote this book and I was shopping it around to agents, they wanted me to be a raw food expert. Right. And I, I told my, my writing coach, I'm like, you know what? That's not what I'm here to teach. No. I'm here to teach people about something bigger, something, mm. something deeper. Some, and I, wasn't, I couldn't really even articulate it, but really it, it is about the wisdom that resides within each one of us. Yes. And I'm here to help guide people to, to differentiate, the, to make the difference in their own minds between signal and noise. We all have a, we have a lot of noise in our oh, heads, yeah. but that's not signal. And when you learn how to tune into signal, you know, to so what I call, also call source energy, yes. which is that divine, that little voice inside us. Some people call it common sense. Yes. Some people call it wisdom. Some people, you know, say just like, you know, the part of me that knows. Yes. Whatever, the, whatever you call it, we all have it. Yes. And, and that's really, I think that's what I learned on this journey that, I mean, I learned a lot of things on this journey. Yeah. But I think what I learned most is, is that, that when we trust that voice, that voice is never afraid. So if we're afraid, no. we're not, and I, you know, it's not like I've mastered this, you know, because I, these are my lessons and I continue to work this process. I mean, I continue to learn every day and right. make mistakes and, and that's just normal. I mean, at first when I had the anxiety disorder, I was so judgmental and I, and harsh with myself because oh, I actually, yes, yes. I said to my husband, you know, I'm the, I'm the person people come to for help. I know. I'm the person that my mom said had a good head on her shoulders. How, <laughs> humiliating is it for me to be afraid to leave my house? Oh, honey, you're, you're selling my story now. You know, I was my own worst enemy. You know, it, it's, uh, and then I, then I realized people are treating me, quote, as the loser because I was believing I was. I always right. believed I wasn't enough. Right. And then really, the, what, you know, as I always refer to the musical instrument, is that I'm not meant to be the whole goddamn orchestra. Right. I'm only meant to be one instrument. I'm a right. connector. I'm right. a celebrator. I'm here to tell your story, connect people to your wisdom, connect people with each other. That's what I am. That's all yes. that I am. And I'm very proud that's all I have to do because that's what I do best. And that's beautiful. Orchestra. And that's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, how great is it to finally understand yes. that? Because we need people who can do that. <laughs> yes. Because you know what? Not everybody can. No, no. And that's, you know, just stop trying to be everything you're not meant to be. You what are thing, just meant to hear for, for what you are. That's so true. One thing that my book is also about is, you know, when I was going through the chronic stomach issues, one of the pervading thoughts, I was, I think I had just turned 40 when I went on this journey. And one of the thoughts that I had in my mind was, I just turned 40. I haven't, my books, I had written several books. They were all in my file cabinet. They weren't, quote, in the world. Mm -hmm. somebody pointed out to me, you know what? They are in the world. They exist in your file cabinets. They yes. haven't made it, you know, they haven't been published yep. yet, but I believe that I was a failure at the ripe yeah. age of 40. Right. I thought, well, I haven't achieved the kind of success. I always thought that by the time I was 40, I was going to be famous. I was going to be a famous <laughs> author. Everyone was going to know my name mm -hmm. and that hadn't happened. And so I believed that I had failed. Yes. And what I learned when I went back to school to study spiritual psychology was honest to God, there's no such thing as failure. That's just a no. thought. That's just, there are only opportunities. An expectation for from someone else. And an expectation yes. from someone else. So yes. I really, I kind of like laid bare the, you know, my, my story from having gone from being sick physically with my stomach 
believing that I was a failure, to what it took me to create the life that I always dreamed of living, but felt somehow that I couldn't have. Right. So there's also that trajectory. And I like that you introduced this, this show by talking about raw because mm-hmm. some people think my book is just about raw food, but right. that's so, it's just the beginning. It's, it's the, just raw, the-, the raw emotions that we have to come face to face with. You know, I was living by everybody else's expectation. I didn't finish school. I was a very sickly child. So after 12 years, I only completed six. I was uneducated. I was unacademic. Wow. I was, a, I was a channeler of knowingness. What the hell is that? You know, people would come to me for the wisdom, but then go and say, yeah, she's illiterate or this or that or whatever. And it was always, let's hope she makes a good marriage because she won't achieve anything else in her life and that was the expectation on me but there was my spirit side that was leading me forward and then my human side resisting resisting because I'm not worthy of it I'm not worthy of it I'm not worthy of it my spirit side but you're doing it in conflict with myself all the time and I literally felt two people in my own life and this side of me would go to that side for wisdom but this side Uh of me wouldn't listen I do that. I, I, I do that too. I write with yeah. both hands. I yeah. write with a right hand and a left hand and I have conversations with myself, yes. you know, yes. and I, I go to myself for counseling. Yes, exactly. The trouble is my human side wasn't really listening until, yeah. until I get to a point where enough is enough. I'm now going to do it, you know, because yeah. I'm such a forgiving and giving and nurturing person. But when you're actually depleted and you realize I've got nothing else to give, I have to yeah. change, you know, change yeah. diet, so to speak now. And, and it, it is a journey. I don't want people. I mean, it's only, I'm turning 60, uh, 64 in a couple of months. I don't want people at the age of 60 or 61 or 62 to suddenly wake up and learn their value. I want people to discover it as soon as they can, because when they do and they step into that beautiful knowledge and abundance and enrichment, they're now sharing that with society where everybody benefits. I don't want them to have to go for it. You're going to have to go for something because that's life. But I don't yeah. want it to have to take you so goddamn long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I wish I had listened to conversations like this when I was younger. (laughs) I wish too. I had nobody around me. I was the counselor. I had no one to counsel me because I was quote strange. So I didn't come across any other spiritual beings around there that were, I could have this conversation with. And so, you know, as I said, they came to me for the wisdom and then rejected me because I was different. I am now in, in my space. I'm in my beingness. I'm in my knowingness. I am where I am meant to be, who I am meant to be. If that's not enough for someone, that is on them, not on me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really, you know, what I'm learning about as I put this book into the world, because it's, it's my second book, but my first book came out 10 years ago. It was a collection of poetry. So it's a different, it was very yeah. different. Um, although it was still very much a journey and a journey of discovery. Um, but I, I guess, I guess what I'm learning is that, is that rather than look toward what I don't accomplish with this book yes, and you know, the media that doesn't invite me to come on their show or whatever, instead of that, I'm really just kind of turning my, my attention toward gratitude to the people who are inviting me. That is the point. That this is con- like this conversation. I mean, I personally had a tough morning this morning and I feel personally enriched by having this time with you. Oh, thank you. And, and yeah. you know, this is incredible. This is great. And for the people that listen to this and if there's something that somebody gets from this, mm-hmm. you know, how wonderful is that? You know, people keep talking about the numbers. I'll only come on for your show if you've got 5,000 listeners. And I said, I can't tell you who's listening. But I said, if you can make a difference in one person's life, isn't that worth it? 
And if they say no, then they're the wrong people. Yeah. Because, you know, I know that we've saved lives. I have had people come back and say, that show saved my life. That show stopped me doing this. That show has helped me discover myself. I yes. know that it works. Do I get thousands of people telling me that? No, that's okay. Yeah. The fact that we have helped people's lives, one, two, three, whoever, some we'll never know, right. is right. enough for me. And if right. you go out there to reach the one, instead of your ego trying to reach the thousands, right. the one domino, one person healing, and says, this is the inspiration I had that took me on this path, the domino effect will happen. Absolutely. Right. And plus, we continue to grow. And then yes. as we grow, our platforms grow yes. and our audiences grow. Yes. And so, you know, you, you can't really show up in this world, you know, expecting to be at the top, you know, oh. like, Oprah. You know, like, I've, yes. like I've arrived. I mean, yeah. like, that's not how it works. You have to be willing to play, to be, you have to be willing to just show up as you are, who you are, and to let that be enough. And once you do that, surprisingly, yes. you get elevated. It's like you get bumped up to another level. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. then you just, but if you're constantly, you know, constantly saying this isn't enough, this isn't enough, this isn't enough, that's just like, which I think I did for many years. Yes. You know, I would have all these accomplishments and they were never enough. And now I realize, you know what? It's enough. Yes. It's enough. And it's not yes. because I wrote a book and because no. it's been getting, you know, great reviews and people no. are excited about it. It's not that. That's not the thing that's changed. The thing that's changed is just me knowing inside. And, and I don't always know that it's enough. There are times when I, when I get a, you know, somebody says something and it rubs me the wrong way or there'll yeah. be maybe not such a great review because they're not all great reviews. Right. It doesn't, you know, not every book speaks to every person, you Absolutely. know. So, so I have to say like, you know, even in those moments, especially in those moments, there's my opportunity to practice. Yes. And, and also there are some people that are so eager to point out what's wrong. And I always say that if you, you know, I have terrible spelling and grammar. Remember, I didn't, I partly dyslexia and I didn't finish school. So um, sometimes I put something out, it looks right to me. And then later on, I realize it's not right. But if you can't get beyond a spelling mistake or, or some grammar, yeah. you're actually not ready for the content. Yes. You know, it's funny that you should say that. I remember I once wrote a blog post and I spelled the word, the word shining with two N's mm-hmm. instead of one. And I got a writing person, a writer, an author saying, you know, you call yourself a writing coach and teacher, (laughs) this word, you know, like shinning, really shinning. Is that what you're saying? And I wrote back to her and I said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was never a great speller. And I always encourage my clients after we do our work together to, to, to go get copy, go get their books, copy edited and proofread because there are people who are really good at that. Yes. That's not my job. Right. My job is to help you move out of your way so that what is I'm, my job, I'm a literary midwife. My job is to help you. And I also do this with people, not necessarily with literature, but just to help them to see what's going on and to help them, you know, really birth either a project or their lives mm-hmm. in, in a way that is really authentic and, and that's the work that I, that's right. the, the gift that God gave me. I mean, I don't even say to people, I mean, it's, I spent 30 years, over 30 years mastering my craft as a writer. And I feel like I have developed a certain level of mastery. And what I really like about my writing is that it's easy to read. It's right. not, you, don't, you don't read it and say, what is this about? You know, it's right. clear what it's about. And, and I speak in a very intimate way. 
Um, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't sit here and say to you that writing is my, is my gift. I mean, I really feel like the gift that I've been given is that I'm a great teacher and coach. Yes. And I, and I say that because I, like, it's not anything that I had to study. It's something that I just know instinctively, yes. you know, yes. whereas writing, I had to study yeah. how to be a good writer, but yeah. I never had to study. Like I just, I got that gene, you know, I understand mm -hmm. what that is and I know like this person emailed me out of the blue. She had been, she had anxiety. She saw me on a videotape. My, our, the, a therapist she was seeing who I saw after I got through my anxiety, he said, I'd love to videotape you so that people know there's a way out of this. And she reached out to me in an email and she said, gosh, I wish there was such a thing as an anxiety therapist or not, no, an anxiety coach. Right. And I said, well, I've never done that before, but I know I can help you. Right. And so we, you know, we worked it out and it was, I mean, in the beginning she was texting me all the time looking for support. And by week eight, she was no longer texting me. By yeah. week 10, she was no longer needing anxiety coaching. And she right. said, will you be my life coach now? <laughs> yes. So sometimes we don't know what we're, we're supposed to do exactly, or exactly. where we're going to be led. But yeah. when we, but when we let go of the, our ideas about yes. who we think we are, and just respond to the need around us that presents itself. And we just trust and have, when we know like, oh, I, I really knew, like when she said, I wish there was such a thing as an anxiety coach, I knew. I, it wasn't anything in my head. It was yeah. in my body. It was in my gut. It was like, I can help this woman. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing is, that's when you're in tuned with self. You know, that I call the knowingness. Sometimes you channel the knowingness. Sometimes that knowingness is just in you. I know I can help you. Right. And, you know, and the how is something you will work out along the way, but it's going to be coming from that authentic place, that place of understanding, of compassion, of caring. And then, you know, it, it will evolve as you go. Exactly. People are looking for everything to be perfect are still living in insecurity. I will yeah. never have a perfect station. There's so much work that needs to be done on here. Um, most of that is... Um, money related that I haven't yet got to put into the station. But I... Again, if you're looking for everything to look perfect and be perfect and, and this perfect, perfect, no, I'm not the station for you. Yeah. Because what we do is we celebrate those beautiful imperfections that has made us beautifully perfect in what we do now because we yeah. come from that place. And I'm not here for the people who you know, need the, the 5,000 followers or they need the ego. I'm not here for your ego. I'm here for your inner pride. I'm yeah. here for your ownership of what you do. I'm proud of my achievement. I'm proud of where I am. I'm proud of I allowed myself to take this journey. I will celebrate that. But that's if it's great. about your ego, I ain't going to be stroking it, mate. Yeah, that's right? great. And I think that's, we just need more of that understanding in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also to understand that ego is coming from insecurity. It's, you know, the right. need to be important. And you must, be, you must place importance upon yourself. You Oxygenate yes. yourself, love yourself, nurture yourself, take care of yourself, heal yourself. But if you step into self-importance, yeah. not the importance of self, self-importance is the you know, lack of ego, it's the insecurity, it is the constant need to be nurtured because you're unable to nurture yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a fee, you know, ego is fear and fancy clothing. Yeah. Just <laughs> strutting around yes. in high heels, pretending to be somebody. Right. Right. But, but terrified. But and, terrified. Yeah, and terrified. And then, and then reactionaries because they really right. just don't know how to tune into the knowledge. So, right. Because what if I'm not, what if I'm not enough? I mean, right. what I thought all, the year, all those years, if, well, if I'm not enough, I, 
I don't deserve to be here. If I'm not enough, I don't deserve to be here. Who's going to love me? Nobody's going to accept my love. And of course, for me, it's always been the emphasis on where's your money? Where's your education? Where's your degree? Don't have, don't have, don't have. You've got me. You've got the divine wisdom that comes through me. You've got my experience wisdom. You've got my love and my passion and my conviction. If it ain't enough, that's okay. And that's so funny because I'm laughing because I went after this degree and that degree and that degree, and it was never enough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know it's not my path. I was never meant to learn that way. Yeah. You know, I learned through the experience through, you know, learn that way. So, well, I never, speaking with you, I, what I'm most struck by is your wisdom. Oh, bless you. you. I never would have imagined. I mean, I think your story is so beautiful because I never in a million years would have guessed that you didn't have multiple degrees because you're so wise. So the wisdom has come from life experience and it's, it's come from learning from other people. It's come from trusting the divine knowledge from listening to my heart and my soul and my spirit and being guided by that. And it's from stepping out of my exterior thoughts mm-hmm. and listening to my feeling thoughts, as I call them. Right. And, uh, you know, I still have the insecurities now and again, you know, when something happens on the exterior and I have to take a time back, re-equilibrize myself and come back into who I am. And sometimes it can be a lonely life, but that's okay. Cause yeah. I am at peace with myself. Yeah. And I think really that's what, that's what's on offer for all of us. And I think that's really just the truth of what it means to be a spiritual adult, to finally grow up and to be, to have some wisdom that you can offer. I mean, and, and when I was talking to my husband and saying, how can I be this way? How can I have an anxiety disorder? You know, I'm the coach, I'm the, yes. I'm the counselor. Yes. And he said to me, you know, don't fit. I mean, the people that have there, you know, so many people who are great people you know, they're not perfect people and they, you know, they, they have gotten to where they are, you know, in part because of their struggles. Yeah. And I have to say that having gone through that experience, I, I have much greater compassion and, you know, Mm. much, much softer loving and, and more tenderness and more appreciation for the ways in which we suffer because I suffered. Right. And, and when somebody comes to you, and they hear your story and hear that you're suffering. And even to hear that you still have challenges today. It's like, okay, I don't have to take this journey and then suddenly be all, all right and miss perfect. That it, all it is, is is allowing yourself to be who you are meant to be, loving yourself for who you're meant to be, yes. understanding what your gift is to the world and understand you're still going to face challenges, but you're going to be wiser how you cope with them. Absolutely. You know? And when somebody else has been through that journey and you can relate with them, then you know that you can ask them for help because they understand. Exactly. Exactly. They've been there. They've done it. They've come out the other side. I really thought my anxiety was going to kill me. Yeah. I really believed it. I, it was so painful. It was a combination of anxiety and grief. Yeah. And it was so painful. I literally felt like it was crushing my chest. Yes. I really, I couldn't felt like I couldn't breathe. I thought any minute I was going to stop breathing. And I thought that way for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very crippling. I know I've been down that road and, and I still have to be careful. I have to isolate yeah. myself from certain people. I have to be, because yeah. as, as a goddamn empath, I pick up everything. <laughs> so I have to be very, very careful around certain people mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I can get triggered and then I go, Oh, you know, it's yeah. not good for me. But, and that's the, when you come to honoring yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I think 
I was a people pleaser. Uh, I would give, give, give until I was depleted, trying to be everything they wanted from me. Now I am more selfish with me. I will give all I have to give, but not at my expense. Yes. That is such a hard lesson to learn. Oh, my goodness. A long one. <laughs> Please don't make it so long for yourselves. Learn quickly from us. <laughs> I'm hoping that my daughter will learn it more quickly than I did. Yes. And, I'm and hoping I, look at, I look at all three of my kids. They're all millennials. And my youngest, that one that hold, held grandma accountable. I mean, she's got such a, not only a good head on her shoulder, but she's always had that core belief is I don't care what the exterior is. I'm holding the interior accountable. Wow. That's great. She's always had that. And my other son is a leader. He's a, an inspirer. You know, people look up to him because he has such wisdom that he hasn't yet quite understood where it comes from. And my other daughter's a butterfly. She's turning 36. She travels around the world and people just want to be in her presence oh, because she just lives in that spirit the whole time. So oh. each one of them has a part of me in there. And, uh, and then they say, that's the reason why you're so screwed up, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but they, by embracing each part of them, that's their gift. Yes. Right? That's their gift. And if we embrace what our gift is and look upon it as a gift, our ability yes. to understand something and do something that serves others is our gift. And when we step into that gift, you know, we become the I am that becomes part of the we are. That's when we truly understand what we're here for. Beautiful. That's so true. And, and as you were speaking, I was thinking of your daughter. I love that you called her the, the, the third one, a butterfly. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking how, you know, and we have to let go of them too. Oh yes. She left a long time ago. <laughs> she's that free spirit that goes around and uh, you know she's out there pollinating flowers everywhere you know so and, uh, and that's you know each each one of them has their own strength and they they've had their own struggles they've yeah. had their own losses they've had their own pain but that's what's made them stronger yes. and as they've got older made them more understanding of their mother and the pain that she went through I have a question to ask you um, yes. as, because you've had more time with your children being gone. My, my daughter is just more recently, mm -hmm. she's younger and I only have one. Um, so as the time, uh, I'm not sure this was the question I was thinking of before, but this is the question that's occurring to me now. So I'll, I'll go with it. So, um, so what do you have to say about letting go like that process? And does that, does that get easier with time? You know, with, it does. My, my, my oldest daughter is turning 36 in December. Uh, she uh, left home, um, what was it, maybe about 18, 19. Then she came back for a bit. And then 20 to 21, she started the traveling around the world. And basically 15 years she's been gone. We see her maybe once or twice a year, she, you know, the, the butterfly, gone, you know, trying to get any time with her. That is hard because I'd love to have more time with her, but everybody wants time with her. That's the problem. Right. My son and I, we are too much alike, so we mm -hmm. can knock heads. Yeah. And as and everybody points out, we're both saying the same thing, but we're saying it from a different point of view. Um, but, you know, just such a beautiful, loving soul who's stepped into that role of being the man of the house and the big brother and everything else. And uh, I see him, you know, once a month where I go over and spend time with him. Mm. And then my youngest daughter is the one that's always known me the best 
because again she sees people from the inside out so she won't allow any sob stories or self-pity or anything like that she holds me accountable for it and uh, you know and speaks to what she knows I can do and pushes me on that and she's actually just finished her psychology degree and going into doing other things and uh, you know she's um, and she lives about an hour and a half away from me on the island here so I had the opportunity to move in different parts of the world and I thought, no, I can't be that far away from my children. However, I brought my kids up to be independent, to know that they can go and fly and explore, but also know that wherever mother is, home is. Mm. And, and when, I will always be there for them. I love that. And when they struggle and, and suffer, how, how do you navigate that? Um, as I would with anybody else that is doing that, you know, it's, it's feel the pain, the hug, the kisses, the love, but also, you know, the, the getting through it. You know, my son in particular has lost a lot of friends to stupid accidents or to drugs or to being one friend murdered in front of him, you know, oh. um, and it could have been him. It was a random shooting and, uh, you know, to see the pain on the parents and everything else, you know, and I know he still carries those things and it's like, but he knows that that love and that support is there, but it has to be his journey to go through it. And, uh, you know, that's all we can be. I live separate from all of them now, you know, kind of in the middle and go here, there and there. But, um, and, but my, I may not speak to my kids for a, a few days or weeks at a time. And then we get together, but I always know no matter what, when, when I had an accident last year, I had a very bad fall and I'm in the hospital. My son was there right by my side, not leaving me. Another time I had to go to hospital, he was right there, you know, and it's the, no big bother. He's right there for you because he knew I was for him. He is for me and that's it. You know, he's there for me if mom needs me and mom needs him, you know. It's beautiful. So it's, it's embracing who they become and realizing we're never owners of our children. We're purely custodians and the relationship we have with them will be different and every decade that they go through. Oh, that's interesting. Right. I would say every five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and as they get older, it gets even better because of the life lessons they've learned. You know, the conversation gets deeper. Mm. So. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I mean, I, I just think it's so interesting the way everything is always changing, you know, going yeah. back to this idea of, of impermanence and how, yes. you know, that I, I used to believe that when I grew up, I was going to, I was going to arrive. Yes. And by arrival, I mean, you know, I knew everything, like life was like, life was, I don't want to say calm and settled because I think that my, my goal now for myself is to, is to experience that sense of calm and settlement in the midst of chaos mm -hmm. or in the midst of life and presenting itself in whatever ways it does. Yes. That, yes. That's outside of my control. So I think that there, there, that in that sense, I do believe in arrival Yes. That, that if I can, if I can just be in this moment with you, like, I just feel so much, I just feel so much joy just being here with you right oh, now. It's just, you know, you're such a kindred spirit. It just feels so good. I feel like yes. if you were, I wish you were in LA, you know, like, I, I just feel like you're, you're a kindred spirit. And so I'm experiencing joy and this is, this is arrival, just having yes. a conversation with you. And when you find people on that same spirit, that same vibration, yeah. oh, it is yeah. a, a dance in itself. You know, you it feel is. at home. What you have received from us today, any listeners or viewers, is two people completely sharing their heart and their soul and their journeys in absolute authenticity. We are completely ourselves. There's yes. no facade here, nothing. You've got us in our rarity. 
Yes. And, you know, and if you've learned anything from us, you know, it's hallelujah. Um, but if you can even just get from us the sheer joy of finding people who are of the same like spirit and soul and heart, you realize how uplifting it is, how feeding it is, you know, how nurturing and seek more of it. Yes. And there's a little bit of this in everybody in everybody it's what are you going to invite out you come to somebody with your misery and your mo that's what you're going to get or you have the closed doors come to them with your gratitude and your love your invitation open up those doors and you'll still see all those miseries and moves we can we could have had a bitch fest for an hour and a half easy right but who does it serve it just brings us down to the black water right i want to see that crystallization so absolutely what we feed and we're feeding you love we're feeding you your heart and soul and spirit and we're doing it because we care yes and having said that love we need to come to an end um will you please tell people how they can get hold of the book how they can find you for your wonderful yes i actually have the book right here i'll show it to you because that might be nice so it's beautiful uh, book actually thank you really lovely book Thank you so much. So it's Raw, My Journey from Anxiety to Joy. And you can go to rawmemoir.com and you can read reviews about it. You can see a trailer about it. You can order it online, rawmemoir.com. Okay. And of course, here on Self-Discovery Radio, just under your name, Bella. Bella Mahaya Carter. And you will see it right there on her own page. You just have to put in Raw. It will come up as well. And you'll see the video plus this beautiful show, plus the audio and where you can get hold of the book. And you know, this is a book read for yourself, but don't forget to gift it to other people because you know, there's somebody else that's going through what you're going through. Give them that book, give them that love because you're helping them with whatever they need in life. And it's the same with this show. Go and share it. Maybe share it with a group of friends, have a conversation, open up with yourselves, with each other and realize that, you're hiding the anxiety you're hiding the fear and when you spend it and you share it you realize oh i've just taken a huge burden off i haven't given it to you but i've released it and it's gone because of you right absolutely there is freedom there is freedom from anxiety you do not have to suffer no and believe me it feels so much better when you're not yeah oh yeah it tastes so much better (laughs) so true well, this has been a pure delight. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed it so much. And, Thank um, you. And just all your honesty, your wisdom, your journey, uh, just the authenticity. And just, it's lovely. Thank you so, so much. And folks, don't forget, please do share, do comment, do go and get the book, do Christmas, you know, it's around the corner. Great gift for people. And realize that somebody else's journey is a reflection of your own. And when you learn how they got through it and what skills and tools they're using, it helps you pick up the right tool to help yourself on your own beautiful journey. So until next time, folks, bye for now. For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcast and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.